You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. we see somebody walking with the Lord and we don't get jealous but we get sort of covetous but we want what they have and I don't think that's wrong we see them seeking the Lord and it helps us to seek the Lord also I mean even Paul and John in their epistles say follow us as we follow Christ it's good to see somebody walking with the Lord it's good to be encouraged by their walk it's good to want what they want and want to have that relationship it's extremely important for us When you see someone at church with a close walk with God, it may be discouraging to you. But instead, be encouraged to draw closer to God yourself. Today, Pastor Dave will share how we should want to be an example of faith and strive to follow Christ, encouraging others with us. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 20 as he begins his message from a skeptic to a true believer. John 20, 24 through 29. Let me tell you a story. One day, a young woman came into her daughter's room to find her daughter busy drawing on a piece of paper with crayons. Being curious, the mother asked, what are you drawing? Her daughter paused a bit from her work and answered, why, I'm drawing a picture of God. The mother smiled and chuckled a little bit and looking down at the little girl, she said, sweetheart, No one knows what God looks like. Little girl continued on her drawing. Then all of a sudden she paused again, giving her mother that matter-of-fact look. She said, they will when I'm finished. This is what the Apostle John has been doing in his gospel. He's been painting a picture of God, a portrait, if you will. And when he is finished, God's picture will look like Jesus. Painting this portrait in many ways. And with each stroke of the pen, John has given us a glimpse into the lives and the words and the thoughts of the disciples who followed after Jesus. John has shown us their perspective about what they believe or who they believe Jesus to be. Through the actions of Peter, Andrew, Philip, Nathaniel, and even himself. Remember when Peter said, We have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And where can we go? You have the words of life. It was Andrew speaking to Peter who said, I think we have found the Messiah. Then there was Nathaniel under the tree who called him rabbi. And then he said, you are the Son of God. John's going to tell us in several verses, in fact, in verse 31, that these things were written so that you would believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that by believing, you would have life in his name. The entire Gospel of John is written for that purpose, so that you would believe that Jesus is God incarnate, God himself come to earth as a man, and that by believing in his name, you would have everlasting 
life. So in our text this morning, John adds another color, if you will, to his portrait. And he takes Thomas, one of Jesus' own disciples, one who was a skeptic, a, a doubter. And he takes him from being a doubter, and Jesus moves him into being a true believer. Let's look at verse 24. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. For some reason, we don't know why, but Thomas was not with the disciples when Jesus came that night. I wonder why. What Was Thomas afraid? I mean, the others were in hiding also, but was he more afraid than they were? Doesn't say. Was he so fearful that he didn't want to be with his friends? What well, was he so disappointed and so discouraged that he didn't want to be around his brothers? And for that matter, his sisters, because we know there were not just the disciples gathered there, but the women were there also. You know, sometimes when we too feel discouraged, sometimes when we feel defeated, and sometimes when we're fearful, we too don't want to be around our brothers and sisters. But that's the time we really need our friends. That's the time we need to be together. That's the time we need to be reaching out and talking to each other and encouraging each other as we go through a time, such a time as this, in the middle of this virus thing. But sometimes we move to isolate ourselves. And when we do this, it can lead us into self-pity. It can lead us into even more discouragement instead of reaching out in our time of need. No, what do we do? We stay at home and wait for someone to call us. We want someone to call us. Maybe Thomas was afraid. It doesn't say. But that doesn't seem a lot like Thomas. Because if you remember back in John 11, when Jesus said we're going to, to Bethany, where Lazarus is after Lazarus had died, Thomas appears to be a courageous man. He says, let's go up with the Lord, even if we have to die. That sounds pretty courageous to me. But everyone confronts disappointment, fear, and discouragement in their own way. And sadly, Thomas isolated himself that night. You know, many people deal with hardship or tragedy by withdrawing from others. And this is the worst thing we can do, as I said. But you know what I'm talking about. You know the value of being together with your brothers and sisters. Thomas is an example of what happens when we miss fellowship. Because Thomas wasn't there, he missed an enormous blessing. He missed seeing the Lord Jesus himself. He missed hearing Jesus' words of peace. He missed receiving the commission that Jesus had given the other disciples. And he missed the spiritual gift when Jesus blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And because of this isolation, Thomas missed out on a huge blessing. When we isolate, we can distort the facts of the problems we're facing. We need each other. And the Bible says two are better than one because if one falls, the other can pick them up. We need to be with each other. Jesus is special in a present way when the believers meet together. But instead of receiving the blessing, Thomas had to endure an entire week, eight days actually, of continued disappointment, continued discouragement, continued unbelief, when he could have been enjoying peace and joy, when he could have been rejoicing. I thought about this, guy, and I think that's what Satan's trying to do with us right now with this virus thing. He's trying to keep us separated. 
He knows that there's power when we come together. He knows that there's power when we pray together, when we fellowship together, when we read God's word together, when we worship him together. Satan knows that there's power when the people come together in in Jesus' name. So he's trying to keep us away from each other. So my call again to you each day, call somebody, write them a letter, text them. Let's stay connected. Let's stay connected. Let's not isolate ourselves. So the next thing I noticed in verse 24 that Thomas is called a twin. The fact that Thomas is called a twin is extremely interesting to me. The word is Didymus in the Greek. That's his name. Interesting, we never get to meet his twin. But I think I know him or her. I think I know who Thomas's twin is. In fact, I think Thomas's twin is me. I think Thomas's twin is you. That's why we don't know the name. Why do I say that? Well, Look at our actions. Look at our, look at our thinking. We can be just like Thomas. One minute, we're full of faith. Next minute, we're skeptics. We're doubting. We're even looking for proof. One minute, we're steadfast and immovable. And the next minute, we're unbelieving, isolating ourselves because of discouragement, because of disappointment, because of fear. Friends, don't be a Thomas. Don't be a Thomas in this difficult time. Don't be a Thomas. You know, it appears that the other guys might be giving Thomas a hard time because he wasn't with them when Jesus appeared. And Thomas is having even a harder time believing them. Let's look at verse 25. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he, Thomas, said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my fingers into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. The other disciples continued to tell Thomas that they had seen the risen Lord. But Thomas refused to believe. I wonder, each time he heard their story, if his heart grew harder and harder, if it became harder and harder for him to believe because of what he had missed. Remember, he wasn't there. And this probably stroked his disappointment. He was probably falling into self-pity, thinking, well, those guys got to see the Lord. How come I didn't get to see the Lord? And that's what happens when we miss. But Thomas's unbelief was strong. He said, unless I see his hands and the print of the nails in his hands and put my fingers into those prints, and unless I put my hand on the side, I will not believe. This is startling to us. Thomas's unbelief is startling. But in reality, he was only asking for what the other apostles or disciples had already received. Thomason wasn't asking for a divine revelation other than that. I mean, back in verse 20, they all saw the risen Lord. But Thomas just wants what they wanted. And I think this is a good thing. I think this is a good thing. Thomas is just being Thomas. Thomas is just being who he is. Thomas is being real. And I like this about Thomas. He's being real. He's being true to form, if you will. When we studied chapter 14, when Jesus was telling them that they, he was going away, telling them that let not their hearts be troubled, that they should believe in God and him at the same time. He was telling them these things. It was Thomas that stood up and said, how do we know where you're going? We don't know where you're going. Thomas did that. And he gave the Lord an opportunity to say those unforgettable words. Those unforgettable words that still challenge people today. Those unforgettable words challenging people from the first century all the way to now. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Powerful words. 
a challenge to all of us to believe. So I think Thomas just wanted to be one of the guys. He wanted everything that they had received. And again, I don't think this is such a bad idea. You know, sometimes we see somebody walking with the Lord. And we don't get jealous, but we get sort of covetous. But we want what they have. And I don't think that's wrong. We see them seeking the Lord, and it helps us to seek the Lord also. I mean, even Paul and John in their epistles say, follow us as we follow Christ. It's good to see somebody walking with the Lord. It's good to be encouraged by their walk. It's good to want what they want and want to have that relationship. It's extremely important for us. So a whole week goes by, and here the disciples are once again meeting, but this time Thomas isn't there. You know, I get the feeling Thomas isn't, isn't going to miss out too many more meetings after what had happened to him. Look at 26a. And after eight days, his, Jesus' disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Yeah, our boy Tom, he was there. Eight days had passed, and the disciples were once again meeting together. Interestingly, think about it, eight days. What day was this? It was the first day of the week. They were again meeting on the first day of the week. They already were establishing when the church meets together on a Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Eight days. We were meeting again. But I want to give Thomas some credit here for showing up. I really want to give him credit for showing up. He could have gotten all hot and bothered because he wasn't there. He could have gotten mad at the disciples because they kept on hounding him. Oh, look what we saw. You know, the disciples, I'm sure some of them were going, hey, Thomas, we saw the Lord. You didn't. I'm sure some of them were. You can probably think out which ones were doing that. But they were probably giving him a hard time. Come on. You would give me a hard time if I missed something extremely important, and I probably would give it back to you too. But bottom line here, the bottom line here, Thomas wanted proof. Thomas needed to see. He needed to see Jesus with his own eyes. He needed to see the nail prints and the side. He needed to see that to help his unbelief. Thomas gets the surprise of his life because in walks Jesus. Look at verse 26b. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. I love it. Peace to you. Once again, Jesus walks in and he greets the disciples with one word, shalom. One beautiful word, shalom, harmony, peace, completeness. Shalom, shalom to you, my brothers, shalom. Jesus continues to say peace to you because when Jesus arrives, he always brings peace. Because scripture tells us that Jesus is our peace. He is our very peace. He is our shalom. But I think Jesus came to that meeting that night for one reason. I think Jesus came to that meeting that night for one person. He came for Thomas. He came for Thomas. He wanted to take Thomas's belief or unbelief and transfer it and make it into belief. He knew Thomas was having a hard time. He knew that Thomas couldn't believe that he had risen. He knew Thomas was doubting. He knew that Thomas was saying, I can't believe. There are too many variables. I just can't believe it. 
Unbelief says, I will not believe unless I have evidence. Interesting here, if you're a language student, the Greek here is a double negative. I positively will not believe. I positively will not believe. You can't move me. It's as if Thomas was the only person in the room. It's as if no one else mattered at that time, and I don't think anyone else did to Jesus, because Jesus comes in and Jesus does what he does best. I call it Jesus' specialty, one-on-one. The one-on-one. Jesus loves the one-on-one. He wants to be one-on-one with you. That's why it's a personal relationship. He wants to be one-on-you so he can dispense his love towards you, so he can show you great mercy and great gifts. He wants to be one-on-one with you so he can tell you how much he does love you. He looks directly at Thomas, and look what he says in verse 27. And then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands. And stretch your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Would have loved to have seen Thomas's face. I would have loved to have seen how big his eyes got when Jesus appeared in the room. I would have loved to have said that. Thomas was unbelieving. He was doubting. But there, several feet away, several feet away coming into the room, and by not using the door, we think, he just appeared was Jesus. Standing several feet away was his master teacher, his rabbi, as he once called them. But standing right in front of him was the Savior of the world. And he was not only standing before him, Jesus was speaking to him. He was speaking to him. Thomas, did Thomas blink a couple times when he saw Jesus? Did he do the old rub his eyes like he couldn't believe what he was seeing? I probably would have. Did Thomas do the humana, humana, humana? I don't know if Thomas did any of that. But the look on Thomas's face must have been extraordinary. Thomas couldn't say a word. But before he says a word, Jesus talks to him. Reach your finger here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it in my side. This was for Thomas. This was directly for Thomas. He had heard Thomas's words. He knew what Thomas was speaking. He had heard his words, and he repeats the exact words that Thomas needed. He repeats them. Brothers and sisters, oh, how God loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he wants to minister to us in an individual way. How he wants to come and show you great love, show you great mercy. How he wants to minister to you in such a personal way and speak to you individually. He knows your fears. He knows your disappointments. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows that you're discouraged. And he wants to comfort you and keep you on the straight and narrow. He wants to give you the faith and faith that lasts. He wants to show you all those things. He wants to reveal himself to you personally. I love this. Jesus comes to Thomas. And Jesus meets Thomas right in the middle of his unbelief. He meets him right where he is, in the middle of his doubt, in the middle of his skepticism, right in the middle of his discouragement, right in the middle of his uh, his disappointment, right in the middle of his fear. It's as if Jesus stooped down to Thomas and lifted Thomas up so that Thomas could be at the same level where Jesus was. Jesus came to him. Imagine yourself Drowning in the sea of mire, drowning in the sea of discouragement, drowning in the sea of disappointment, drowning in the sea of fear, being fearful so much that you might even be shaken. God reaching his hand down to you, stretching out his hand to you. 
And all you have to do is reach up and grab that hand and he pulls you out of that muck and mire. He pulls you out of that darkness and he places you right in his marvelous light. He shows you his wonder and shows you his beauty and tells you how much he loves you. This is what's happening to Thomas today. This is what's happening to Thomas. Thomas was steeped in fear, steeped in disappointment and discouragement. Thomas was, was in unbelief, in strong unbelief. Jesus met him right where he was. Jesus pulled him out of that despair. It's a song we used to sing. He pulled me out of my despair and taught me how to walk. Pulled me out of the despair I was in. And all I did was reach up and grab his hand. Jesus knows your fears too well. He knows what's happening with this virus. He knows that we're afraid. He knows that lives are being lost. He, he's not even happy with the death of the wicked. But he knows the end results. And he knows that he is still the answer because he's still on the throne. Is he still on the throne of your heart? Is he still ruling and reigning in your heart today, even in the midst of this craziness? He knows some of you are so fearful that you won't dare admit it because you don't want anybody to think you're unchristian. There's nothing unchristian about having fear. It's when we admit our fear to God that he can deal with it. It's when we admit our fear to God that he can reach down. I read throughout the Psalms, David's constantly telling God of his fear. Constantly telling God that he's afraid of these guys who want to kill him. And God constantly pours out his love upon David. Constantly pours out his mercy upon David. And constantly brings David back to the thinking, Oh God, you're so wonderful. You're so great and you're so gracious. Why should I fear? Of whom shall I fear? What can man do to me? This is what God does so wonderfully in our lives. He says to Thomas what he's saying to us today. Don't be unbelieving. But be believing. Don't let unbelief carry you down a path that you don't want to go. Don't let unbelief carry you into despair or hopelessness. Be believing. Way back in John 14, verse 1, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. The same exists right now. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe that he has a plan for you. Believe that he has a perfect plan for you. Those of you who love Jeremiah 29, 11, go and read it again. Because God does have that perfect plan for your life. You know what I love here? There's no rebuke by Jesus for Thomas's unbelief. Jesus is not rebuking Thomas for not believing in him. Jesus is not rebuking Thomas for wanting proof. Jesus is not rebuking him at all. The only thing I see here is restoration. The only thing I see here is faith building. Jesus is saying to Thomas, have faith. Be encouraged. Don't be discouraged. Have faith. Jesus took a personal interest in Thomas, just like he takes a personal interest to each of us. You are assured. Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.